I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Yes, it's still spooky season. It is, and we get to do a special episode today. Yes, this is, I, I love our special episodes. I feel like we need that old uh, ABC. So That's copyrighted, so we don't get yeah, that. I know, we can't use it. We'll have to make our own. So. But yeah, that special presentation. Yeah. We so. do, but I actually, even though it's a special episode, I do have a little bit of breaking news. <laughs> breaking news? So this is not something, but I, I just feel like this is a little bit of a win as a somebody who follows true crime and stuff. But um, it was announced today. This is being recorded. Um, on I'm going to say it's being recorded October 18th because we got to record a little early for this. But um, Jordan Vandersloot, who had been thought to have killed Natalie Holloway for years and years. And this is one of the biggest unsolved mysteries that um and there's been so many shows and so many presentations and stuff like that but um without going into the all the gory details of what this human has done he actually finally admitted to killing her okay so uh like you always do to me uh where does this take place so where, this, where did this happen this all took place she was on a trip in the um she was down in aruba and this is okay. a case okay. that dates all the way back to i think it was 2005 if i'm correct but it was in the early 2000s and basically yeah it was a trip in 2005 and um she just disappeared disappeared off the face of the earth went to a club one night she was supposed to actually leave aruba the next morning and she disappeared but she was last seen with vandersloot like that was the thing yeah. and um there was back and forth and he was arrested and brought in for questioning but there was never any evidence and they never found the body. And that, of course, is always a huge thing when they can't find the body, right? So right. Um, this is not a true crime episode. This is actually a special listener request episode. But I just but, needed to know a little bit about that because I yeah, I, I hadn't followed that case. I do remember that in the day uh, a number of years ago when I'd forgotten about it. So I'm glad that they got this cold case and they got the guy to confess even better. Yes, and unfortunately, they I don't think they're going to find the body. He threw it in the water, and it's probably long gone. They've been searching for it for years, so who knows? But I'm just glad because, you know, for the parents, this isn't necessarily justice because they don't have their daughter to put to rest, but at least they finally know what happened. So at least, yeah, now it's, you know, I'd, I'd like to know so that way oh, I know who to, uh, you know, do certain rituals and invocations to yeah, uh, make so, sure. Uh, any something. of our... Our wicked and spiritual friends out there, you want to put the yeah. whammy, he now officially deserves that whammy. That was so. uh, one of the things I often told, uh, you know, as a as a father of young teenage kids of dating ages, and I would have the boys come over, my comments to them were always, just remember, if you hurt them, there is no, I have lots of friends in lots of places, and there is nowhere on this world or the next that you can hide from me. So <laughs> yeah. I always used to say too for anybody 
that was friends or dating my kids um, when they were younger, I would say, just for the record, I absolutely know how to dispose of a body. Yeah. Help you win <laughs> uh, best place to hide a body three years in a row from Tampa Bay's Creative Loafing Magazine. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I was like, I, I used to tell them something. Yeah, look at those zombies in my backyard. Don't they look so realistic? That one looks like the one that hurt Beth really good that one time. So. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, don't don't mess with the Erie Travels team. No, we, no, no, no. It will we, be we very have, unpleasant. We have on friends on the other side. So yeah. <laughs> and we okay. have we have friends on this side too. So we, we have friends on both sides that can make make this uh, a reality. But um that this episode's not about um uh, that I just no. I, that was good news. That was all sidetracked. Sorry, current news had to be done. So yes, but this is a listener request episode because when we first started getting listener stories and questions, which we love your listener stories and questions, so please, please, please keep sending them to us. We you can send them to us through our website. There's a contact form, which we love your stories, and you can attach pictures and things like that if you want. And yep. you can always email Mark at eerietravels.com. And he would love to uh, add your listener story or questions. I say email him because he's better at that part than I am. So, oh, it's, you know, I'm just, I enjoy reading them too. And then, uh, and 90, I'd say 99% make it to air gang. So uh, only a few and, um, and I'm not at liberty to say why they don't, but it's just some are personal and don't want to be on the air. And we're happy to answer those as well. So, yes, we do answer some. So anyway, keep sharing. But the listener request was, Erica, share your ghost stories. So yeah, because uh, I had shared mine on the old Hellview episode with the kids. Uh, we shared the ones at least from Hellview days. I did not share my early ghostly experiences and of course we've all we've had some experiences since as adults but i was so happy that somebody requested that because i want to know erica's backstory as well as the rest of you so okay okay so we get to erica's origin story with ghosts so um buckle up and i'm probably gonna freak myself out so here we go i am excited um, i do want to preface uh one little part of the i'm gonna do a little preface prefacing which is that I am definitely, as many of you listeners know, a believer, but I had experiences as a very young, at a very young age. So um, I am going to talk about the first thing uh, I remember, right? Mm -hmm. Which my mom later told me was not the first uh, situation there. So the first thing I remember, I was probably four or five years old, I think four or five years old. And my mom, I actually don't even remember completely everything that happened at that time, but I later asked my mom a little bit about it. So part of what I'm adding into this is clarification when I was older and asked her about it, but she had taken me to a friend's house and there was some sort of situation with this friend's child but there were um, several adults there. I was the only other child that I remember being there, but it was very, um, there was a lot of tension, right? Mm -hmm. And of course I'm very young. I don't, I don't know why the tension, my mom got a call and um, my uh, sister was at a friend's house playing um, and she took me and 
um, we went over to this friend of hers house and the friend of her had a daughter and uh, we got there and there was a lot of talking, a lot of urgency. And we walk in and I see, I, I literally said these words, mom, what's, why is there a dragon here? Ooh. And what I saw was sort of this writhing swirl of colors in this little girl's room, right? It was a little mm -hmm. girl. And it, I remember it having a maw and teeth and it was, it was really scary. I remember being scared, but mm -hmm. saying something about a dragon. I don't know why, probably because I was a fan of Puff the Magic Dragon, the movie and stuff. Right. Like that's why I equated it to a dragon. And my, all of the adults, when I said this, turned and looked at me, right? Mm -hmm. And my mom ushered me into the room and said to sit there and be quiet. They all went into the room and closed the door. And I remember being very scared. Yes. Um, later, my mom told me, and this is when I was an adult, she told me, because um, she didn't bring it up again, didn't talk about it. She eventually left the house not too long after that went home but what she told me later and i was in my 20s when she told me this because i brought it up um it was that that child was being haunted by something and this was basically the equivalent of some sort of exorcism or something they were doing trying to get this thing out of this girl's room what? and out of the house and That's um amazing. yeah and you know my mom and her friends were called over um, due to a religion they believed in. And they were doing something to get this thing out of the house. But none of them could see it. Some of them said they could feel it there. But I described exactly what this little girl described there. Wow. So in the spirit of creepiness, that's the first thing I remember. But. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. My mom said, I used to talk to people all the time. Oh, yeah. That I used to, I, I would talk to people and ask her about people that she couldn't see. But I would talk to them all the time and talk about them when I was little, um, including uh, when I was in my playpen, I'd be laughing and giggling with something as if it was there playing or tickling me or something like that. And there was nothing there that they could see. Mm. So um, then, uh, so that's one story. Wow. So I don't know what the hell, whether that was a fear monger now that we're looking back what it was, because I don't think it was now that I understand kind of ghosts and I'm going to describe a little bit what I feel like ghosts or spirits or souls or cookies, whatever you want to call them, because that's actually a term for a soul, <laughs> um, are, but that I don't think was that. I think that was something else, right? Fear monger, demon. Yeah, uh, something. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Not, not, not that of this world. But one thing I realized is I don't think, I don't think for me, seeing ghosts is like, seeing them corporeally is that a word corporeally yep, yep. like i don't i don't see them like that i almost see pictures and i've talked about that a little bit on the show right. like almost images of what 
they want me to see. And they don't like talk to me, like whisper to me. I more like get a movie played for me of what they're trying to say. That's the best equivalent. Oh, okay. I can yeah, give. Very, very empathic medium styles. So. Yeah. So it's not like they sit down and they're like, Hey, Erica, got to tell you these things. It's kind of like, you know, I went back and listened to our um, invisible friends episode talking about Charlie. Cause I've had a couple more experiences with Charlie. I didn't share, but one of the things that I realized was that I, I could tell when something was there. I can feel it being there. I can feel where it is or what it's attached to. And I almost can feel intentions behind, like, does it have a malice intention? Is it stuck? Is it whatever? So um, when I was, when I was probably around six or seven years old, um, I, me and my sister had bunk beds. You heard about those in the, uh, you know, Charlie episode. But we lived on this house in Hollywood that had these, um, this poinsettia, because this is in California, this poinsettia bush that grew up the side of this like lattice work. And it was beautiful. Um, And, but I remember laying in my bed and feeling like something was um, like a wet blanket was being draped over me, right? Okay. And, and not like I was being held down. And I remember feeling like that with my body, but I was looking down, feeling like this thing was laying over me, but looking down from the ceiling. Mm. Right. And the reason the poinsettia bushes would was the, came up is because I would could see this lattice thing out my window. Right. But instead of, um, and there was a street light that hit them. So they all looked a little red, right? It would go black when this would happen. But I felt like when I would look down on my body, I'd feel a panic and then instantly like wake up and the feeling was gone, right? Like it was. And my mom told me, um, when I, when I talked to her about it, when I was younger, she said, she say, you got to You got to stick with your body. Otherwise somebody else is going to take it. Wow. Yeah. That's fun. So like, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how much creates put into it, but she was like, you, you can't just leave it. Something else is going to take it. Yeah. And there are cases of people like going into comas and then waking up and it being a different person than it was when they went into the coma. Yeah. And like, not like head injury, but completely different, different person. Yeah. And so it's kind of the credence of how do spirits and stuff work with the physical plane and bodies? Because if you think about ghosts and stuff like that, they are not um, they don't have physical form generally. And I'm not talking about poltergeists that throw things and shit like that. No, right? no, no, just. But that was another thing that happened to me several times. And every time my mom would say, well, you can't leave your body because something else will take it. So you don't get like the grayscale, you know, where you can kind of almost see through people. You don't get any of that. You get no. these images, impressions. And then, you know, scary, you know, nightmarish things. Yeah, no, these were, this would terrify me. 
but it was when I thought about it. And I think when you're a kid, you see things differently, but if I would be looking down, like I'd feel this pressure all of a sudden, and then I'd be looking down at myself. And then the moment I would go, you know, like wake up, it would be gone. Hmm. It, the, the feeling would be gone. And so, but it would always be when the flowers turn dark, which is just a creepy thing to say. That's, like, that sounds like, a uh, some, uh, novel of, uh, uh, Mary Higgins Clark <laughs> when the flowers turn dark, when the flowers turn dark. And, um, so that would happen. So, mm -hmm. but it was around this time and around the time Charlie appeared. So, um, I used to, you know, when Charlie first appeared to me, I don't know why I always got the impression Charlie was like a 12 year old boy. Like that's the impression I got of Charlie. I don't know why, but that's the impression I got. Yeah, what you and I could yeah. always tell when he was there, but this was very soon to when my mom said, stop telling people that you can, you know, that you're talking to like Charlene's don't tell people, yeah, people just... are going to begin to think you're crazy. Hmm. I think, I think this is because when I was before great, I talk about this with my daycare and stuff like that. I'm quite sure my mom got many, many reports of her crazy daughter talking about sure different people, right. That I would see. Hmm. And so, um, but Charlie, I had a very weird experience because I talked about when I knew Charlie left mm. and this actually happened when I was 14. I'm going to go back to some other stories, but this was a 14 year old That's story. So we moved up to a town called Green Lake, Wisconsin, mm. and Green Lake is off of a river that um, was dammed up to create a lake, right? Yay, men changing nature. So yeah. That's that's what Green Lake was. And I moved up there. Um, my mom wanted us to get to know my grandfather and my grandmother. And we first stayed at a friend of um, the family's guest cabin. It was like a mother-in-law cabin. Mm -hmm. um, and it was right on the, the main house was right on the lake. And there was this little like sort of driveway and then on the other side of the driveway were these guest houses so there were several of them together far enough apart that you had a little privacy but they were all on this like sort of sub road these little cabins it was a little two-bedroom cabin and um one of the things i thought was really neat was um we didn't have a lot of snow obviously in hollywood california right growing up no. there and we lived in new mexico for a little while and um there's some fun stories there, but uh, <laughs> it would snow, but it would melt really quickly because of the altitude. It was 5,000 feet above sea level and stuff. So when it would snow in Green Lake, Wisconsin, one thing not used to snow at all, but um, when the moon would come out, like if you, if you're familiar with snow, the ground would glow, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the lake would freeze over. So it was like this really sort of beautiful sight to go out and look and see at night. And so I was 13 or 14 years old and I walked from the guest house out to the lake, the dock to just look at the lake. Cause everything was glowing, like almost mm -hmm. black light glowing. And, um, there weren't a lot of street lights. So look at me being wowed by that. Yay. <laughs> um, and I was, I was turning to walk back towards the house and I had crossed um this little road that people would drive to park and stuff and i was suddenly hit with the wave 
of the most intense hatred I can even describe. It Ah. like froze me in my path, this wave of hatred, right? And I almost couldn't breathe. And I didn't know how to explain it. Like I was afraid and everything, and there was nothing in front of me, but I felt it from behind. So I slowly kind of turned around, right? Expecting literally to have, you know, be attacked. I grew up in Hollywood, California, like, yeah. Mm. Um, And standing there was an Indian. Oh. A chieftain. Mm -hmm. Full headdress. That's what I saw is a chieftain. And I I could see that it wasn't quite that, but that's what I perceived, I should say. Mm. And the anger and hatred on this thing's face. Like I can't even begin to explain how much it was. I couldn't move and I was having a hard time breathing. Like it was just directed at me. And I had walked to the lake and back and I knew nothing about this and the history of this place at that time, right? This is the last encounter I had with Charlie though. Was wow. I, I don't even know how long I was frozen there. It was cold outside i did have jacket on so i wasn't like whatever i couldn't move i literally couldn't move and this thing started to come towards me very slowly but it was moving towards me and then i don't know how to explain it but out of the corner of my eye i felt charlie and i felt run Mm. like i to this day i cannot even explain this But somehow it broke me from what was happening. And I turned and ran in the house and slammed the door. He gave you that boost, the the break. And I, my mom, because this is like, what the hell is happening? And I had to catch my breath. Like it took me a minute and tears were going down my face. And she's like, oh my God, what happened? And after I could calm down enough, and I was shivering, even though I wasn't cold, if that makes sense. Like I couldn't yeah, no, calm no, you're, down. Yeah. And when she, I finally calmed down, I explained what happened. Like, and she's like, oh yeah, this is burial grounds. I'm like, what in the act? So apparently quite a lot of this area obviously had been Indian lands mm. and where they had built this stuff had been Indian burial grounds. I'm like, yeah, so we're moving, right? Like they don't want us here. We're moving. And apparently she had seen this before too. I just hadn't said anything because she thought she was the only one. No, I I think she just didn't want us to be like, because I I couldn't sleep. I was like, no, we're, we need to move. We need to go. I'm going to go stay at grandma's house. I'm going to go stay at the aunt's house. So luckily we were moving in, I think, two weeks but i stayed at relatives houses until Mm. then because that was terrifying but that was the last time i saw charlie was that night after i went to bed like when i got in bed and was trying to go to sleep felt he was there so that was the last time I saw Charlie. I just don't think he thought he had to help me anymore. I was 14. I wasn't nearly as well, close. Or maybe, you know, you know, maybe he used a lot of what he had to, to make that happen. So, you know, and, you know, it takes time to recharge these things. We, we don't know the rules. Like we've discussed a million billion times. The rules are 
you know, open to interpretation at this point. So exactly. So I don't know what happened, but that was the last time I saw Charlie. And then, but when I was little, I used to have my mom. Um, if I ever went to a hospital, uh-huh. I think I saw, you know, you make the joke that there are more trick-or-treaters than there are kids in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. There are more people in the hospital than there are bodies to contain them. There are people in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the girls, or both my kids, you know, have uh, both said, you know, hospitals, you know, give them very, very bad feelings because they feel there are more people trying to get in touch with them. You know, uh, both of them have a little something for that. So. Yeah, I when when I the sixth sense came out and I saw the commercial, it was like I see dead people. I was like, yeah, I don't need to see that movie. I'm good. And yeah, and, cool, cool, we cool. Call cool, it cool, the cool. Erica Lance story. Yes, <laughs> and I actually didn't watch that movie for the longest time because I was like, I ah, no, I lived that, and it was actually something when I was younger, and I don't remember who told me this, but was how to sort of protect myself from it because I feel like one of the things and I see this too is the moment you kind of open yourself up for it they go oh my gosh you can see me oh my gosh you can hear me like you walk into a space and I know you've experienced this where oh hey hey hey." and I'm like nope how you doing how you doing that's like uh no 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 and then they follow you home that's the thing that you know, well, I learned the hard way was uh, being followed home. I actually was never really afraid of the dark so much, I realized, or afraid of things like that, is when you can feel something there. And especially when I was a kid and I couldn't I couldn't discern what it was that it wanted, you know what I mean? Because sometimes there's an urgency to what they're trying to communicate to you. Yeah. And, like, I... I remember one time um, walking behind um, an apartment we had because there was a washer dryer behind the apartment and um, feeling like something was trying to grab me, right? Nothing was touching me, but I don't know how to explain. Like I felt like something was trying Trying, to grab me and I was, yeah. And I wouldn't go back behind that apartment building at night. What was the advice? You were giving. Oh, the advice. Oh, I just skipped that part. It's fine. Because let's let's talk to you know, we may have some listeners who are, you know, had their first experience or or so or are going through this. What what was told to you that saved your life? So there were two pieces of advice I was given. The first was um my mom said threaten to put them in a mason jar. Because and and this is it's Appalachian witch magic, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. Is that you have more control over them than they do of you because they don't have something physically tying them to this world, right? And this is true. I think my personal perception. Keep in mind, I'm I'm not like a an expert by any means. I've just lived this. No one existence, is right. No one is. Yeah. I mean, like people. Oh, I'm an expert on this. We are not expert. My little commercial says expert on the occult. I I, I purposely blob that line. Because I am not an expert on the occult. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that threatening to contain them can sometimes work 
very well. I, I, for my friends who have had experiences, I'm like, get a mason jar and literally just announce that if they continue, you're going to put them in it. And the other thing though, that I did is a shield, right? So what I was told was to imagine whatever your protection bubble would be, right? But then sort of push it out and imagine you're like slamming it over the windows and slamming it over the doors. And mine is this beautiful glittery crystalline thing. Cause you know me, Mark, everything. Yeah, yeah, you're you a beautiful unicorn. I am. But um, so I imagine emanating it from me, but I also, when I'm imagining it, imagining it pushing out anything that is uninvited, like it's intention. And I think we've talked about that a little bit is intention because if you let your space around you shrink because of fear, things can come closer to you. So the I, idea is doing that. And I've done that at times when I started to experience something um, and almost felt like what I was doing was pushing this thing outside the house or outside the room or wherever it was that I was trying to do that. Like, because um, and it and it worked. And sometimes I've been so scared that it's hard and I have to almost center myself and really pick it up. And sometimes I'll be doing it and then get scared again and have to go back and start and push it out again. But once I have it solidly anchored, I feel like I can go to sleep or I can do whatever it is that I was unable to do and things like that. So that that has helped me. Um being able to do it but it's i yeah so i don't i don't know if you've ever been told anything like that I, i've been told a few things but let's let's do that after the break okay we'll be right back eerie appalachia gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe what of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock, or the Satan spawn known as the Jersey Devil, how do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio, to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncy and Kerry Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncy, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. So have I sufficiently freaked you out yet, Mark? Oh man, that was, that's, that's, that's the good stuff. That's, you know, this is the kind of stuff I live for. 
you know, uh, getting these stories from people and now hearing them from you is just, uh, you know, in incredible. So this yeah. is, um, you know, this so is, this is what people will do is they'll come to me and say, Hey, I've, I've had these issues and I've had, you know, I've seen this recent sighting. I've had this recent thing happen or, but I had this thing happen when I was a kid and all that. And again, like what happened, you said, your mom saw it and didn't, you know, had never told you. That's why I'm like, if you see something, say something, report these things, you know, write them down, even if you're just sharing with your family at first, but Hey, all those families out there, you've got, somebody's told you this, put it on paper, put it, you know, document it, tell it to your favorite podcast hosts or, you know, your favorite local author or something and, you know, get it on paper. If you're not willing to put it on a website, even if it's not public, because then when your great, great, great grandkid comes and starts researching the family history and you know, you're long gone, but he's seeing things that he shouldn't see or experiencing things he didn't experience. Boom. You know, there it is on paper. This happened. You know, Oh, well, you know, maybe the others in my family saw it too, just didn't write it down, but one of them did. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, that's really what this is all about gang. No, but it's, it's true. It's true. But you know, so I'm going to tell one more, but then I want to hear one from you. I'm going to take a break from mine because I want to hear one of yours. But oh, okay. Yeah. I've got there's um, a plenty. graveyard in Clearwater, Florida that's in the middle of a road off of Myrtle. Do you know where I'm talking about in Lakeview? And Lakeview? it's on two sides of the road. It's like Lakeview and Myrtle. And that's not um, a cemetery. That's it's uh... a really small one that a bunch of houses grew up around. There's a few, it's completely packed. Like no new graves can go into it. Okay. But, so yeah, I, I think I know the area and I know a few of the cemeteries in that area. I, I always get those areas mixed with Rose Hill and Cicada because those are the ones that the, the ghost hunters like to go into the most, but uh, there are quite a few in that area. Yeah. And well, there's, so there's a little path through um one half of this. And the thing about this particular cemetery is the graves actually go right up to the road on one side and they, they have a four lane street that goes through yeah. this graveyard. Cause yeah. I'm quite sure there are things underneath, but I'm not going to go down that path. Um, so we went out one night and we grabbed pizza. We were all about, I want to say 13 years old, um, 14 years old. No. Uh, yeah. 14. So I think the Charlie thing happened to me when I was 13, but I was, um, we were all sitting out there and, um, I not I don't usually have a problem with graveyards because most of the time um, you can tell the areas that things don't want you to go into, right? They don't want you to right. disturb them. Um, there are sometimes, uh, you know, they have very much heaviness attached to them and some people are stuck, right? They're stuck with a loved one or stuck themselves with where, wherever they were buried, you know? Um, but there is one particular... Um, grave that has a little portrait of a girl it looks like a little cameo like uh on the grave site and it has her name and everything like that and i remember we had pizza and we were walking through and everybody was like let's eat pizza in the graveyard because when you're a kid this seems like That's a great the thing plan to do right yep and i'm like uh um yeah and watch so, return of the living dead yet so um I was on the other side of the, from away from this. We didn't, I literally walked in, stayed on the path. We sat down in the middle of the path with pizza boxes. We were eating it because it's so cool and risque. Oh, the <laughs> things you think when you're younger. Um, yeah. 
and one of the guys got up and walking around and I, I just glanced across the street and sitting on the grave was the girl just sitting there. And, um, one of my friends that knew me looked over and is like, looked at, cause I, I, you know, mid, mid pizza going in the mouth, stopped, lowered the pizza. Cause she was looking right at us. Yeah. And it was a little girl. She had to be maybe six wearing this little outfit, everything like that. And I didn't know it had this picture on it. This was later told to me because I did that. And my friend who knew me was like, guys, we need to leave. We need to leave now. Let's go. And I I was like, I was on autopilot, but um, she went back the next day and said that there was a little picture because she's like what did that little she asked me later what it was and i described the girl right what she was wearing everything i said she was just sitting there she wasn't harmful she wasn't she was just staring at us but it was you know i was like upsetting "Ah, ah, ah." and so i described it to her and she said that's exactly what this picture on the top of the tombstone looked like Mm. and to this day to this day because i've driven past there it's only at night this little girl was sitting there. Yeah. And and again, you know, things we don't understand. You know, these are is that a replay ghost? Well, she never was at that cemetery as a child, probably. You know, is it something attached to the child and you know, is just taking that form? That's possible. Is it a spirit? Yeah, you know, we don't know. These things we don't know. We don't know what's going on. And until we can get science and studies without being laughed at this is what we got gang this is what we got we we have bunches no, and- of little facts and little stories to tell and that's you know oh man i just i hope the little girl is you know doing what the little girl should be doing that's all i can say with that so. yeah i i often wondered if she um because i don't i don't begin to know how to get people to pass on i've heard people talk about that and i don't know how real that is but if, does that help? Are they going to a better place? Yeah, that's I, that's for the psychologist. And that's why so many of these places like May Stringer, mm-hmm. they won't let somebody come in and, yo, oh, we're going to help Jesse May move on. Well, how do you know she's going to a better place? Here we protect her. We we protect her from the bullies. We protect her from other things. You know, you know can you prove to me that, you know, she's going to a better place? Then we'll let you. You know, so, yeah. So we love places like that, that, you know, we, we love our ghosts. We protect our ghosts. And that's. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that if something is um, scaring you or doing malicious things that you can't ask it to depart where it is presently and go play somewhere else. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. My house now, my house. Yeah. Do the, you know, if you got to, you got to. And, and then at worst case, you reach out to a team. I can, you know, you reach out to your favorite local podcast host or, you know, or horror authors or whatever we have contacts in the field and yes and we can find a team our wonderful dr ordino who was you know was just on here and uh and a bunch of others coming up you know we we we've got we we know the peeps and we can find out hey oh you might you might need a a visit from your local uh you know whatever uh i don't like to use the word exorcist but that's you know we can do that if necessary and all sure, that but, but we I don't also- want yeah. last last case yeah last scenario yeah so. yeah well i also think sometimes there are things that you you just need to leave like it yeah. it it you know as much as it can be your space and stuff there are sometimes like you think about 
hospitals, like hospitals, I feel a lot of times when I've seen things in hospitals, they're lost. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they're stuck. Yeah. Stuck. Whatever trauma or whatever, like that generally, I remember being in a hospital one time when I was older, but there was this little, I woke up in the middle of the night. They had me on some very nice drugs, right? But I woke mm. up in the middle of the night and there was a little kid standing in my doorway. Mm. And I was like, there are no children on this floor at all. all right. And so it was there for a little bit. Then it turned and it walked away. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Just visiting, stopping by. Wasn't trying to scare me. Wasn't doing anything malicious. It was just eh, turn, walk away. And I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. That's nice, you know. Um, but uh, I, I definitely think there are sometimes like you take the psychiatric hospitals and like the tuberculosis hospitals and places oh. where enough trauma and enough negativity and stuff mm -hmm. like that has occurred that I don't think you can cleanse those spaces with yeah. I, I just I think it it's you know it's been it's taken it's kind of like for morbid so a way to be sure right? yeah like <laughs> with, with it, holy water yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah or, or whatever yeah yeah it it belongs to them now like yeah 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 no um I want okay. one of your stories Mark what so, a, since we're focusing on young younghood, uh, you know, I will mention, you know, everybody knows I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains and all that. But before that, I was the first of my family born north of the Mason-Dixon line. I was born in Ohio. I'm the family shame. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, the black sheep um, uh, born in, you know, just outside of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, we grew up, my dad owned a house in Dayton and we, you know, the family lived there and uh, my brother was 11 years older than me and liked to, uh, you know, torture his younger brother because that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, but um, I had the room that led up to the attic and um, it was funny when we stayed at that one Airbnb for that event in Ohio it was literally a mirror image of my house. It was like being in an alternate universe version of that old house. And all these memories came back. Now I left that house when I was six or f five or six. I, you know, it's so early memories of that house are very, very vague. Um, I remember a few things uh, like going down other had the basement. It was basically his place. And uh, he had painted one of the walls of the basement to be the big MLB logo with the baseball guy with the bat. I, you know, I was, I was like, okay, he likes that. Um, I just remembered the basement was where I could go and play our video game system, the Magnavox. And all the gadgets, dad was a gadget guy, but um, um, one time up in my room, up to the attic, with the you know the hallway up to the attic, I recall hearing noises in the attic, and me climbing up the stairs to see what was going on, and as I entered the attic room, which was my playroom, mm -hmm. because my brother had the basement, you know, my parents had the the first floor, the second floor was all the bedrooms, and then my area was the attic, uh, where all my toys were, all in the middle of the floor. 
gathered in like a circle, which I never did. I left my stuff wherever the heck it was, but they were gathered in a circle and there was this black form, dark shadow figure sitting with the toys and it looked slowly up at me and I saw the red little beady eyes. Wow. That's the last thing I remember before my mother carrying me down the stairs, waking me up going, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And, um, and, uh, so that was, you know, my first encounter with something I did not understand as my earliest memory that I can recall. Do so. you, do you feel that you like, cause you just described seeing them, right? Oh, I saw it. Yeah. Um, so for you, for the most part, how do you describe your interactions with that type of spirit it, entity? Different than fear monger kind of thing, but how would you describe your perception I've, of it? I've seen some things that I can't explain. So yeah, I've seen dark shadowy shapes. I've seen the grayscale figures that look like they're misty, mm-hmm. made out of mist where they, you know, I saw an old soldier once, you know, it was basically a Civil War soldier in a museum in West Virginia when I was a young kid. And I thought it was some neat effect of the light with a reenactor, but he literally looked like he was in an old black and white movie or stepping out of a black and white photo. Oh, wow. Almost see through him. It was very grayscale, um, very pale and very gaunt, you know. Um, I saw a lady there in a dress, a wedding dress at one point, and the wedding dress was on display, but it was her inside it, you know, and not wow. have about being there. Yeah, that was at the old Sunrise Museum, which is now private property again, but it was the original governor of West Virginia's mansion, and for a long time was a public museum, and I was a volunteer there as a kid, and I would see these things, and and the guy who ran the, you know, the kids program for the museum would just be like, yeah, just don't tell anybody. I see him too. <laughs> uh, and that was when I knew it wasn't crazy because he was seeing it too. And he described to me exactly what I was seeing. So that was those. And that was why I am so insistent on if you see something, say something. If the little kid says, hey, I see this thing, don't ignore them because they might be seeing something on a different frequency than we are. There's noises we can't hear as adults that we used to be able to hear as kids. Maybe there's things we could see as kids that we can't see as adults. As I've gotten older, it's different. Sometimes I'll hear whispers and voices. Uh, sometimes I'll see movement more than I see shapes and shadows and stuff. Um, so it has changed as I've gotten older. But that was my first. Now, the one that's, that stands out because, you know, you never forget your first time. <laughs> but the one that really, you know, cemented into my life that, okay, this is, I need to learn more about these things because I don't understand them, um, was I was a teenager and I was coming home from school one day and I, I knew there was something odd in my room in our house in Shore Acres. Uh, I, I didn't know what, I'd sometimes hear voices, I'd sometimes feel cold spots, I'd sometimes... So no, knowing this, growing up with this, I'm like, okay, if you want to talk to me, I'm here. I'd like to know your story. I'd like to be able to help and all this. And uh, my grandmother lived with us um, and we were, you know, and so she was out in the living room one day 
as mm-hmm. I came home from school and she's talking to somebody and now uh, she was generally home alone. My mom worked, dad did his, you know, this is after he retired. So this was dad doing dad projects and stuff around the house. So, you know, she was usually left alone in the living room watching TV. And then I would have to go watch TV with her and react all the oh, stories. I, I watched it's many a Jeopardy that. in Wheel of Fortune with my grandparents when I was up in Wisconsin, because that's what we did. Well, me as a storyteller, the reason I got all that was because my grandmother would watch General Hospital and Days of Our Lives. And then I would watch Dark Shadows and Doctor Who. And uh, but my grandmother couldn't see and couldn't hear at this point very well. So I would have to react the whole episode to her. And I would <laughs> do the entire stories, doing all the characters and all the voices, um, which was why I was becoming a good dungeon master at that point. And a good actor at that point and a good storyteller at that point. Um, But then to her, to her, I didn't tell her that they were different shows. Uh, So, you know, Dark Shadows and General Hospital blended quite a bit in my stories. And occasionally the Daleks would show up from Doctor Who. But, um, (laughs) uh, but that was how I got away with watching on the big screen. Right. Yeah. I didn't have to watch it in my little TV in my room, but I came home that day and she didn't have the soaps on, which surprised me. I came home early. I'm like, Mama, we don't have, you know, no dark shadows today and, uh, you know, no general hospital day. And she's like, no, no, I've been talking to that girl who lives in your closet in your room. Oh, nope. Nope. Yeah. Said, you know, her name is Sarah and, um, and she, she died in that room. Uh, she, she died lonely and alone and now she's happy. There's a boy in the room. So, you know, be nice to her. And, how did that go? Um, well, I researched the house at that point. Yo, know, Mr. Pre-internet days, Mr. Scooby-Doo fan me. Mr. Uh, start- go down to the library and look at some different slides. Slides, old microfilm, microfilm Muncie. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then I was able to find that a young girl had committed suicide in that house. In oh, not wow. much longer before we moved there, early 80s. And we moved there mid-80s. So she had not been dead too awful long. And um, so that's the one the girls feel is attached to us as a family because she definitely followed me out of the house and followed me for, you know, a long time. So, and um, Callie and Beth think they're, you know, she might be with them now, but uh, because I haven't certainly interacted with her in some time, but uh, we did a Help You episode talks about that. So please go back and listen to that gang. And you'll get a little more about Sarah, the the house ghost. So yeah, but that was that was the you know the one I was like, huh? Well, I don't see her, and I turned around, and as I did that, I saw a shadowy shape walk through my room, and I run in, and as I get in there, the closet door is closing. Wow! Did I open the door? No, I should have, but I didn't because back then I was a, a, a scaredy cat. Well, but, at the same time, I'm, I mean, you know me. Nope. Yeah. Uh, well, I also think if she wanted to tell me about herself or show me, she would have shown me. And I think later on she did show herself to me. But at that point, you know, early days, you got to take relationships slow, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> especially as a young and Mark, you should yeah. definitely um do that. I. But that's. My story for Halloween, gang. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Now, 
I, you know, it's funny as I started making a list of the experiences that I I've had and it's, it, I have to say it's much, it's much longer than oh, we just scratched the surface. I know scratch the surface, but there were so many times walking into places and it, it became so, and it has become so normal for me being places and just knowing there's something else there or something else walks through or things. Cause it's not always just, they're there and they're attached. Like something times you're just like, what the fuck was that? Right. It just yeah. walks through, walks right through the house and is out the house and yep. doing whatever, or just observing like the amount of times that I feel like I was watched by something or being, you know what I mean? Kind of like this little girl, like it was, yep. you know, looking and just turning and being like, cause I felt the intention, you know, that, yep. and it happens regularly. And there are sometimes, you know, I, as I got older, I, I was able to recognize it more, but there were a lot of times when I was younger, like I remember being in uh, the school library and walking past, like, you know, the scene from Ghostbusters where the ghost is reading the book and floating yeah. not quite like that, but somebody was standing, reading a book, walking past and then having the librarian be like, yeah, you're the last one here. You need to check it. And I'm like, no, but the, yeah okay cool cool like you know i i, I you yeah. know if you it's, have that experience you're like okay yeah. cool I, I you know? similar to um remember the movie ghost oh yeah crazy. uh remember when he goes into the subway and there's the other spirit played by the late great vincent chavelli uh, who, who was able to manipulate things and go hey you get out of my subway you know and all this and suddenly people's stuff's going everywhere I've seen something like that where there was somebody who looked off, wasn't really there and had that bit of a grayscale to him. And he's literally shoving people out of the way to yell at me. And, and then, um, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, nobody else is seeing him because they're all trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And so, you know, does that make me in tune? I didn't hear him. But that one I saw at one point while I was in New York and I was like, wow, that's what is, what is this? You know? And uh, I literally for a minute thought it was just some, some guy, you know, some New York crazy on a subway and in the eighties, but no, this was something else completely different. So. And I, I think that that's the case. I think w you can have perceptions and they can be different. And I think there's things that you can see with your, actual eyes and then there are things that you perceive because I, I I also feel like you know one of my experiences a lot growing up and we'll do a different episode sorry listeners you have to actually ask me this question maybe I'll do a listener episode but we'll do another uh, one is perceiving like the uncomfortableness of somebody and not just based on their body language but almost like the energy that they're giving off or are they afraid or are they you, you know, the amount of times it's interesting, people point it out, I say things like, <clears throat> forgive me, you don't have to worry, or you don't need to be afraid, or you're not in trouble, or things where they're not even like, how the hell would I perceive this particular emotion from this person, right? Um, And I think it has to do with empath, but I think we all can see things differently based on partially how we choose to perceive them. Yep, yep. You know, but listeners out there, I am 
as me and Mark have revealed a little bit, I, I hope this, this feeds your desire to know a little bit of my ghost stories. We will, I have no doubt share more and, um, eventually one, some of my favorite ones have also involved going on ghost tours and experiences with that. So maybe we'll do that as a separate episode at some point. Cause that will be fun. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, and gang, if you want, you know, let us know specifically what you want to know more about. And if you want us to have more uh, expert guests, or if you just want to hear more from us, you know, whatever you'd like, please drop us a line. We love all the feedback. We love everything. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, we love continuing to do what we do. We thank you so much for helping us blow up and vote for us at paranormalitymagazine.com, uh, paranormalitymag.com. Vote for us to be one of your favorite podcasts. That would be the best Halloween present ever for us absolutely get, uh, and and yeah you know, we would love to uh do more with you guys and again if you do go there and subscribe use the code travels get a discount uh but um and then uh you know i think though i feel the veil is uh you know getting thinner and... oh yeah no i i let me just tell you how freaked out this month is making me like yeah. I've already had some stuff, but I am so not excited about coming. I loved when you came to the house uh, and you were like, oh, the, the guy's still in that room. I'm like, yep, he's still there. You know, we can still, we can still sense him, but uh, well, you know. See, and that's a great example where you, you didn't tell me anything about this person. I mentioned that he was still around. I mentioned that we had done some things to try to get rid of him. So yeah. And when I first went into your house, remember, you didn't tell me anything about that. I first walked in and I was yeah. like, what the hell is that? Yeah, like, yeah, that was before I even bought it. And I was yeah. like, the first time I went in here, I was like, okay, there's a guy here I'm going to have to deal with. But that was that was it. We're going to have an extra neighbor. So here yeah, go. well, like, you have night. you have your neighbor and he seems harmless yeah. and he seems like he's happy. Yeah, he's like, he's closet. loving that I'm filling the house of books because uh, he's he's a book lover. So uh, so we, we, we're going to bond over that later. So, but anyway, gang, bond with your ghosts. You know, enjoy your ghosts, report your ghosts tell your kids they're not crazy you know uh you know if you've seen something too you know ex- you know share your experiences and uh with that gang i think there's only one other thing we can say oh that what is, is that we'll see you on the other side